Now introducing the Minor Wisdom Trio! Minor Wisdom! Hey guys, how's it going? So this week I've got Davina Fangman, um, and oh boy, I two things I screwed up on with this interview. One, uh, I normally don't have my interviewees introduce themselves because I do an inter- interview or a, a, an introduction here. And I, after everything was said and done, I, uh, if I'm saying it wrong, Davina, uh, then I'm sorry. But, I, you know, it's pretty straightforward. But Davina Fangman, um, she is an elementary school teacher, theater teacher in Midland and was happy to have her on. You know, I need to, well, there aren't a lot of elementary theater teachers. So to have to say, I want more on is tough because there just aren't that many and people are growing these elementary theater departments. I know that when I left Fort Bend, they were working on it and it it has since doubled in size because they went from one to two. (laughs) Double. So, you know, anyway, uh, it's a thing. And and Davina says it at the beginning. She's not your typical elementary school teacher. Um, and I think that that's very true. She's just, you know, when you think of an elementary school teacher, you might have a little bit of a stereotype on those those people. Um, but she was great to talk to, great to chat with, as you can see by the length of this podcast. Not that the length of a podcast matters, <laughs> or does it? The other thing I screwed up on is I continue to trust Xfinity, and you'll hear four times in this interview, I took out the long pause, but we had four really long drops, and I did not interrupt her or tell her to start over, because to be completely honest, it was such a long drop that to say start over from what you were saying 30, 45 seconds ago would have probably been more confusing so what I done did is I took my editing machine and I edited out the long pauses so you're gonna have four kind of weird moments and I tried to leave a little bit of the drop element in so that you're like oh that must have been an edit because it's not a clean edit um but there are four pauses and I apologize to anyone who just looks forward to the immaculate interviews that I do every week you know this one just had four Xfinity hey we don't want to give you internet anymore and screw you Xfinity you know you can go straight to HE double hockey sticks okay so uh, we are looking for a new provider if anybody's selling we're buying Um, the other thing we're buying right now and as I record this it is Saturday close to dinner time and we have a we have a guy in our house right now we have a guy in our house and anyway, he's creating a lot of dust and he's giving us a new bathroom and no, we are not wealthy. We just own a credit card and needed a new bathroom because we were tired of showering in a shower where if you just lift your knee, now not only is your knee touching a wall, but so is your buta. So we just wanted a kind of a bigger shower. Yes. First world problem, but our problem. Okay, so we have put on the credit card a new bathroom, um, and it looks beautiful. I can post pictures maybe at some point, but I have been better about posting pictures about my work recently. Speaking of work, we're doing Beauty and the Beast. It opens two weeks from this past Thursday. No, this past Friday. 
we preview on Thursday. So it is in two weeks. It is, pardon the pun, but a beast of a show. And it's going to look, wait for it, beautiful. <laughs> Tale is old as time. And so anyway, it's uh, it's a really fun, huge, massive show. ZFX came out last weekend. I think I mentioned that in the last week's podcast. ZFX came out. We had Cameron from ZFX. And if you get Cameron, you are a lucky son of a gun. Cameron from ZFX was, she was absolutely amazing. She is a local uh, uh, ZFXer, if that's how they call themselves. And she's from Houston. So she was awesome. And the nice thing was we didn't have to pay for her board. You know what I'm saying? So she just went home. Actually, she told me she was going to her aunt's because it was like a birthday weekend. So she was getting turned, you know, but anyway, uh, yeah. So we had Cameron. If you get Cameron that you've lucked out, you've won the lottery, you've won the ZFX. We've got to fly people lottery. So there you go. Uh, the last thing that I'll mention is that, uh, Ava has ringworm on her leg and I was hashtag blessed as a child, never to be so disgusting, but my daughter has ringworm and it's really gross. Uh, really gross. If you're a parent and you haven't crossed the ringworm bridge, that should be a new shirt. Uh, then good luck when you do. But, uh, apparently Jennifer had it when she was a kid, but you know, I, Jennifer is one of those people that every thing that my child or children are diagnosed with, she's like, Oh, I had that. I had that. I had that anyway. So, uh, she's the worst. Am I right guys? So anyway, enough about me. Let's get to the interview with Miss Davina Fangman, please. Uh, please. And no, I'm not releasing this because it's Halloween. Her last name happens to be thematic. But uh, please uh, heart this podcast or star it or do something. Uh, buy a shirt. Like it. Follow me on the Facebook and the Twitter. Anyway, have a great week, everybody. Uh, can't wait to see some of you at Festival Grapevine. Ooh, ain't that a great... No, that's the wrong song. Anyway, ooh, I bet you... And is that... Anyway... I gotta go. I'm busy. All right, go Astros. I listened to a few of the podcasts before, and I am hearing all of these amazing theater educators. Like, I don't know how I'm thrown into the mix here, but um, I teach in elementary school, and I think that's that's what is entertaining about me because I don't. I am not the typical elementary school teacher. I think of elementary school teachers as like bright and sunshiny and super fun all the time. And that is not me, not me at all. I, um, I say that my toughest grades are kinder and first grade. Like those are the hardest grades to teach because it's, it's mostly about wrangling kittens at that point. And so-and-so is cutting and it's sometimes kinder and first grade are are the most challenging classes that I teach. But I always knew, like, from the very beginning, from the dawn of time, that I was going to be a teacher. I just didn't ever think that I would be a theater teacher. Um, and I definitely didn't think it was going to be an elementary. So that was kind of a shock to literally everybody in my life. Um, I started when I was, I don't know, a fourth grader. I would 
take all those like um all, like all this the extra papers extra worksheets and stuff that I would get from my teachers at the end of the year that they were just going to throw out I would take them home and I would make my cousins come over and do worksheets with me and they hated me for it but I mean we had fun too we just also did math work not that I'm any good at math at all but um I knew from then that it was like teaching was going to be the only thing that I was ever going to do. And I've thought about doing other things, you know, post 2020 when everything was super crazy and everything was really hard. I thought, okay, maybe I need to hang up my hat and do something different. But every year I say it and every year I get a whole other group of kids and it's like, you know, I think I'm going to try to stick it out for them a little while longer. And, and here I am just continuing and just, chugging right along um but I didn't start out in theater I always I've always been like I'm not gonna say a performer because I'm not I'm not a performer but theater has always been something that I have enjoyed but when I was in high school I I focused on um I did a little speech and debate well, let me say, let me phrase that. I did a little speech. I didn't do a little debate because I can't debate to save my life. Um, but I did a little bit of speech and I was, you know, moderately successful, not like super crazy out there, but um, I did have a lot of fun doing it. But I focused a lot of my high school career on ROTC. So when when people see me and they interact with me. They're like, okay, see, I could kind of see that because you are you can be kind of a drill sergeant sometimes and kind of have that personality. So it just works out nicely. And I, I loved being in ROTC, but I always, I always told myself I was never going to go to the military. Nothing against those that do because I, I, you know, they hold a special place in my heart, but that was just not going to be my story. So when I went to college, I thought, you know, think I want to teach high school history. Why high school history? I don't know. I'm not a math person. I will never be a math person. That's my husband's job. Um, science was never my game. I liked English, but I could do without it, I guess. But history, for whatever reason, I like the, the hard dates and the hard people. And this is what happened. And this is why it happened. And this is how we make it not happen again. Like Those were the things that I like to focus on. And so when I got to college, when I got to the end of my senior year in high school and I'm trying to pick my classes and my majors and all that, I went and looked at what it would be to be a history major, to teach history. And I didn't want to do all those classes. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, let's try the next best thing because I like history, but do I love history? Like, do I really love history? And so I... um I started te I started going down the path of communications and like speech because I was like I really enjoyed doing speech in high school and so maybe that's something I could do and I did go to Angelo State and I saw that that is I if I'm not mistaken that's your alma mater as well and so um, I, I don't did remember go to what Angelo the hand State. sign yeah oh I think it's it's yeah, like uh, it no it's yeah it's, I think you're right. the Rams yeah, yeah. yeah. Keep, keep going I don't want to interrupt <laughs> anyway so uh I did go to Angelo State and I started in communications but at Angelo State it, it in communications you only get so much of the uh like performance like what I want to do speech and debate kind of communications and then it kind of bleeds into radio and tv and journalism and 
man, that's again, that's not my thing. So I thought, okay, well, I really enjoy theater. That's the part of speech that I kind of like. Like, I like using my voice. I like being out in the open. Um, let's try theater and see how that goes. And it, it, in comes Dr. Bill Dahl. And I don't know if, I mean, I'm sure very many, I'm sure a lot of people know him, but he is like the softest, cuddliest, crankiest old man I've ever met in my life. But I love him to death. And he, he made theater, like, he just brought me into the fold and he would, he was so real with me all the time. And I said, you know what? I think this is something that I would like to do. Like, I would like to teach theater. This, this you know, this seems like my thing. Like I could, I could, I could teach theater. I could do this. I could, you know, be out there. I don't have to be on stage. I just, you know, teach everybody else how to do it. And so he took me to my first ETA when I was maybe a sophomore in, in college. And at that point I had changed my major like three times from history to communications to now theater and theater and communications. And then it, it, you know, I was flip-flopping. So I decided theater education was going to be the way that I was going to go. And it kind of just like it fit. I liked it. I liked meeting new people. I liked everything about what, uh, what was TETA at the time. Um, I loved going to the workshops and, you know, just being around that collective group of people. It was like, it was electrifying and everybody was so excited and everybody was so like passionate about their craft. And so it's like, this, this could be good for me. I, I love this idea. Not quite what my dad had in mind. My mom was very, you know, do your thing. And my dad was very, mm, now, is this going to make you a lot of money? Are you going to make a lot of money teaching? And I was like, well, dad, I mean, doesn't matter the subject that I teach. I'm probably going to make the same amount of money and it's not going to be a lot. So I guess I'll just marry into money. I didn't, I didn't marry into money. Um, but you know, I, I just stood my ground. I said, you know, this is something that I want to do. And this is a stable, this is a stable position. Like I'm not going to have to worry if my meal is going to come next week. It's, you know, I'm going to be a teacher and teacher. Everybody needs a teacher. Teachers are in short supply. And if you're good at what you do, you know, they want you to stay. So I just, I put it to him like that. I said, well, this is stable and this is what I want to do. So you're just going to have to jump on board or get out of the way. And he, I mean, he jumped on board. He's, he's pretty supportive for not understanding a lake of theater. Um, but I, you know, I, I did the substituting and I did all the things and then I moved to Midland and the move to Midland was not paved with sparkly flowers. It was rough. It's like dirt out here in the sticks and I couldn't find a job anywhere. My husband, my husband had moved shortly before that and he was working for the oil field and then he wasn't working for the oil field and he was offered a job in Dallas. And I said, well, I can find a job in Dallas. That's not a problem. So I start pushing my name out there and I got nothing. So I said, okay, well, I don't know what to do. I guess we moved to Dallas and I just hope for the best. And the week we were leaving, I got a phone call to interview for a speech position. Um, teaching communication applications is what it was called. So it wasn't like speech and debate. It was like an actual speech class where you get up and you stand up and you give a speech. And that's what it was. It was a half, half semester class. So I rotated every semester 
And I told my husband, I was like, I, don't, I mean, I don't, I haven't gotten anything else from anywhere. He said, well, you don't have the luxury of, of saying no to a job. So may as well interview for it. I mean, what's the worst they could do? They could say no. And I said, you're right. And I had already interviewed for a few theater positions in Midland and I had been denied. So I said, well, I mean, if all else fails, at least I have a teaching job. And I interviewed and that afternoon, uh, the principal at the time called me and he said, I would love to offer you the position. I said, great. Awesome. I'll just unpack everything that I've already packed to move to Dallas. So we stayed and, um, it, I mean, it was, it's been, it started in speech and I knew that I wanted to, um, I knew I wanted to move into theater. I didn't want to teach speech, uh, for the rest of my life because nobody likes the speech class. It's, it was a requirement at the time and you just got everybody. And so it was hard to get those kids to buy into it. And so my department head introduced, I say that with quotation marks because it was kind of a, a janky introduction, but introduced me to the theater teacher there who is um, Tiffany Gardner-Moore. And she will tell you the story and she tells everybody the story. But when he introduced me, he said, this is a theater teacher, this is Tiffany, and you should, you know, help her and figure out how to do this theater thing since that's what you want to do. And I said, cool. And he introduced Tiffany. When he introduced me to Tiffany, he said, Hey, this chick is here for your job. Just watch out. Link, link. And then of course she didn't, she didn't want to have anything to do with me because I was trying to get her job. And I just, I didn't realize that's what happened. And so I'm, you know, volunteering to help and they that year they did Cinderella and it was a big undertaking and then I I volunteered for that and I kind of stuck around and that year she did Spring Awakening for one act play and I helped her with that and from then it was just like a bluff I can try it that's I I mean I I substituted in elementary and that was a cakewalk and when I substituted in junior high it literally sent me home crying so I said, you know what? Let's give it a try. I can do elementary school. It's been a ride. I mean, I don't get the crazy outlandish stories that everybody else gets, but man, those elementary school kids keep you on your toes and they keep me guessing every day. They have such a personality and they just, they are so excited about everything. Like they are not jaded like the high school students they are not jaded like the junior high students they're not too cool for school they just love it and they just want to do everything and so I've been at this school now for this is my 11th year and we have grown this program so that it has been like I've seen kids from my from my little baby group to jumping into the junior highs and doing junior high one act play and then going on and doing high school one act play and doing high school um, prose and poetry and being so successful. And I've had kids that have started with me. I had a kid that started with me as a fourth grader, which was my first year at that school. And he was not the kid that I would have pegged to stay in the program. And he stayed all through high school, all through junior high. He's gone on to do um, theater in college, and it's just like it warms my heart. I'm like, okay, so this is why I teach elementary school. I mean, I, I, 
I'm not the typical elementary school teacher, but I feel like me personally, I would probably, my personality probably fits better in the junior high. I talk to the kids more like the junior high kids, which I mean, you just got to be real with them. And that's how they, that's why they love me. But the way that they just, they just take it in. And even the kids that don't stay in my, that don't come to my program, they go off to do theater in junior high and they love it. And then even the kids that I have kids that don't stick with theater. And I tell them, I'm like, look, you guys are going to go to junior high. Everything is going to open up. You're going to have athletics and you're going to have more band experience, more band opportunities and more choir opportunities. And you're going to have all these opportunities under the sun. I'm not going to be upset if you take theater. I'm going to be upset if you throw all your opportunities away. So, I mean, I have kids that come back to school because I have their younger siblings and they, they tell me all about their successes. And I try to be there for all those successes when I can. And it's just, you know, it's just one of those things like I, I, I say that they drive me nuts, but I love those little kids. They smell kind of funny. And they're likely to ask me to tie their wet shoelace, which I will not do because you never know why it's really wet. The, 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 pro- the problems you have. Yeah, it's, to- it, they're very different. Like the problems in elementary school are very different than the problems Man, in it, junior that, high. That's, that's a shirt. Oh. Yeah, that's a shirt or a sticker right there. Like I, I yeah. won't, I won't tie your shoelace because I or your wet shoelace because I don't know why it's wet. I don't, and they'll they'll be like, Miss Fangman, can you tie my shoe? I'm like, oh, I don't know how to tie shoes. I'm so sorry. I don't tie my own shoes. See, that's... I don't have shoelaces. I have zippers. Oh man, or, or just wear Crocs. Uh, yeah, that's. Oh man, I don't know where to go from there. But I feel like I could end there, but I'm not going to because that would be a <laughs> horrible ending, but also amazing. Um. All right, so there are probably, you know, I I would imagine, I don't have these numbers, but I would imagine most of the people that listen to this podcast, all two of them are high school teachers. Mm. Um, And so when, like, because I I know I can empathize with the high school teacher, obviously. I can sort of empathize with junior high because my wife was in junior high for so long. And then I, I have two elementary age kids. Mm-hmm. But I, so I understand the wet <laughs> shoelace, but <laughs> the classroom element, I, yeah, the classroom element, I don't understand as much. But um, so there are high school teachers that are probably hearing you say that you have the person that, or you feel like you would probably be better suited for junior high and they mm-hmm. still think you're crazy uh, mm-hmm. because because like high school <laughs> teachers that want to be high school teachers that are in junior high to like start with, because kind of like you said, you just kind of take the job that you can get to, to begin with, you know, how you took speech, uh, that take that junior high job. They're like, I'm not a junior high teacher. I'm a high school teacher. Mm. There's a whole, like you are a special person to be (laughs) able to say, you know, I'm not really elementary. I'm more junior high. Like even we're like, man, you really are a little crazy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so well, I I mean I think about those high school teachers and I'm like I could never I could never I've entertained it I've entertained going up to the high school and doing all the high school things and then I'm I look at my friend Tiffany who literally spends her life up at the yeah. theater and I said nah yeah and, me. and I will say now that I have a job that affords me the ability to have a little more freedom because we don't really rehearse that much after school 
if ever. I I don't know if I ever want to go back to that life because mm. I I do like my family. So uh, most of the six out of the seven days of the week, I like them. Um, yeah, I'm I'm more like four or five. Okay, that's I fair. Like that's about average. Uh, so um, I have I wrote down a bunch of different things. Uh, first of all, I got I just want to know how curiosity. How old are your kids? Um, so we started late, like super late. I'm in my mid thirties and my oldest is three. So oh, okay. I'm going to be one of those old moms at the, at the kindergarten class. And then the youngest experienced, one, experienced, moms. One, experienced, experienced moms. Yeah. Fun. The 30 somethings are the fun moms. I don't care what anybody yeah. says, but, um, I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old. Okay. My, my, my sister is 44 and she doesn't listen. So I don't care. Uh, if I say her, her age, but she has a, uh, a five and a seven. So, um, you know, he's almost six, but anyway, whatever. Uh, so I get it. It's fine. You're allowed to be, you're not an old mom by any means. Um, again, experienced. I like it. All right. So now that we've gotten that out of the way, do, do your students appreciate the kind of drill sergeant? You kind of alluded to this a little bit Mm because you you said you kind of tell them, you speak to them like they're older kids yeah do they do they appreciate that kind of drill sergeant kind of regimented schedule Um, type person or no sometimes like um the ones that I've had for a long time because like my school we don't have a lot of we don't have a lot of turnover once they're in they stay because it's a magnet school and it's it's you know it's by chance when you get in it's a magnet so I've had kids yeah it's a well it's a magnet it's a fine arts magnet I got you oh wow so um, we just, we focus on, like, we have seven different fine arts classes at my school. Um, the, the ones that I've had since they were little bitty, like kindergarten age, uh, they tend to appreciate it a little more because they know that at some point she's going to get a little softer and she's not going to be as hard on me. Um, the new ones, because I get new ones. I mean, we get new ones every year, not a whole lot, but we do get new ones. And they tend to be a little shell shocked when they first experience me because they don't know what they don't they don't know how to read me. And so it's yes and no. Like Some of them like it. Some of them don't. So, again, because I do this podcast very selfishly. So sometimes the questions are really just because I want to know. I don't really care what other people want to know. So I got to ask. I have a six year old. She just turned six uh, a couple Mm. days ago. She's in kindergarten. She's Mm. uh, to give you some background. They're both both my girls are September birthdays, and I've got one in fifth grade who just turned ten. So she's young in her class, and then I've got a six year old in kindergarten who's the oldest in her class. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, Eleanor, love her to death. She's sleeping right outside this door, so I can't talk too much about her. (laughs) Otherwise, she'll come in. But um, she has a little bit of an anger issue. Mm -hmm. Uh, is that normal for like, (laughs) do I need therapy? (laughs) Well, I mean, we, we've had our fair share of, um, how do I say this without? I know. Yeah. I want you to be careful. I mean, we, we, we've had our share of, uh, little anger issues, Yeah. but what we've come to notice is that a lot of the times, and this is, this is from my perspective as a parent too, because I have a young, the younger one is she she angry all the time like she she's a firecracker it comes from them not being able to really express what of being able to tell you what the issue is it may come out 
in very elaborate and crazy ways, but they can tell you, they can verbalize what the problem is. For kinder and first, they're still trying to figure out how to use the right words and what to say. And a lot of it is very... Um, I, I guess juvenile is the word They're because they, they only have so like their vocabulary is only so right. big. And so that's, that's what I've noticed working in the elementary school is that they, they just have a hard time telling you what the right. issue is. Okay. So. We'll, we'll wait it out a couple of years. Um, mm. That's good to know. Thank you. Thank you for your uh, advice, Dr. Feynman. Um, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> So I, I also, there are a couple other little things. One, I need to come clean about Angelo State. I, I've never actually been to San Angelo because it was, it was online. It was an online <laughs> master's That's of That's okay. It's, it counts. It yeah. counts. I mean, counts. I bought all the swag. I have Angelo State gear all over the place. but uh, I don't have any Angelo State gear. I have one shirt. So I have one shirt. Uh, that makes me mm. better than you. So go Rams. But yes. um, <laughs> I need to go out to San Angelo, and there's a good chance that a certain uh, – festival held in the summer might be there uh in the not too far future you know i have heard that rumor and i have been pushing as a person who is in west texas and and has to travel very far for all the conferences i rather enjoy when it's closer west than when it's you know further on the other side of the yeah. state it's nice and really i i mean san angelo my husband and i met in san angelo and i have told him in the past that when we retire when we're done when we're done with everything we're going back we're okay. because i mean it's it's growing it's bigger it's a yeah. retirement community in my opinion it's it's like half collegiate half retirement mm-hmm. because those are the two extremes you're either really old and you live on the lake or you're really young living in a frat house. Didn't even know there I was a lake. In a frat house. Yeah, didn't even know there was a lake. Oh, yeah. It's, well, it's called, they, the people from San Angelo call it Lake Nasty Water. <laughs> lake Nasworthy. I mean, it's disgusting. The lake <laughs> itself is disgusting. But if you're from San Angelo, you don't care. You've swam in it at least five times. Like Nasty Water. That's good. In the last summer. Like, yeah. it, it doesn't even matter. <laughs> That's you could like You could, like, walk through the the muck and the mush yeah. and it's doesn't care it's, doesn't like the, it's kind of like the dead sea but without like the history yeah yeah Definitely. uh yeah um so i also i have to say because i've figured this out over the past 170 plus interviews that i've done history uh collegiate history so like because t- uh, my minors in history it seems mm-hmm. to be an underlying theme with our type of brains, our like theater brains, our performing brains, whatever that is. But um, lots of people have explored history degrees and then done exactly what you did and been like, well, screw this. This is uh, yeah, too much. Way too it's many too classes. Much. Well, and I, so <laughs> I had a very uh, sad story from my collegiate high, uh, history career. I had this history teacher and he was a nice old man, but he was, he was one of those that if you got him in the beginning of the morning or the end of the day, you're done. Like you're not staying awake. He, there, there was no, there was no zhuzh about this man. He was a very kind man and he was very good at what he did, but we, the, he died the week before our finals, like the Sunday before our finals. And we had all been studying. And I was like, I don't know what's going to happen. 
And, and so they kind of just brought us all in one at a time and they looked at our grades and they're like, okay, well, you got this on this test and you got this on this test. What do you think you would have made on the, on the final? And I'm like, I don't know. Let's call it a B. Let's say I would have made a B. And they're like, great, B it is. And so they just wrote it off. And I said, okay, well, I'm done with history. So it's fine. That's not a good sign. No, but he was so nice. I felt so bad for him. I felt felt bad for his family, but he was an older man. So he lived a good long life. Right. Right. (laughs) You know, my, (laughs) I don't want to turn into a death podcast, but both both of my parents, this is not a what was me, this was 16 years ago, but both my parents passed away while I was at UH uh, in the in the same year, but they both passed away when I was working on a UH, like uh, a main stage show. Both, both main stage shows I worked on, one of my parents died. So I, like now that I'm back there as an adjunct, if they ever ask me to do a main stage show, I don't have any more parents. So that's, like, that's a, I would say no, because you still somebody, have, I, yeah, mean, you I have, have a sister. You have other family yeah, yeah, members. yeah, that's true. I shouldn't be selfish, but, uh, yeah. All right. Well, thanks for, again, more advice from Dr. Fingman. <laughs> so what I do, uh, it's what I live to do is give advice. Great. So, uh, so I, I had a weird epiphany while you were talking about your experience and I thought to myself, Hey, I'm going to ask her, is it weird because the payoff to being an elementary teacher to see your kids go off and be adults pretty much, you know, is a much, a a much longer payoff, which is true. However, you could, and you correct me, tell me if I'm wrong, but it's almost actually better to be an elementary teacher because the payoff, you're seeing them grow, becoming like humans pretty much. I mean, you start with them at what, five years old, which is barely human. Um, and you're seeing them turn into these young adults, teenagers. Adults. Yeah. I'm, I'm watching them turn. And I, I have this. Okay. So there is a, there's a junior currently at, at our high school, Midland high school. And I had him when he was a first grader. That's when he started with me. So, I mean, it's been a long time, but I had him, I did a, I went to a workshop during Summerfest and the teacher was showing us how to introduce Shakespeare to the kids at that age level, like kinder, first, second grade. So I had this little six-year-old kid reciting Shakespeare in class and he was doing it with all the gusto in his heart. And I said, oh my God, I love this kid. Like, I love this kid. I would take this kid home and just keep him and adopt him and love him and raise him to be the sweet little theatrical marvel that he is, that I can see in his mind. And here he is now, like he is, he's still in the theater, still rocking every day. I I love him. He's, he's one of the, and I just, I've loved watching him grow through the years because he was one that stayed in theater in junior high and he stayed in theater through freshman year and he's still in it now and he's still very successful and he's just like it's that's probably the most rewarding thing I know it's it's one thing to be at the high school and to see them grow from freshman to senior and then see them off it's a whole nother game when you're watching them when they can't even tie their shoes they can't even tie their shoes and here they are going off and graduating and being successful. I cry every year, <laughs> every year we do the stupid senior walk and we bring the seniors yeah. in from 
from around the district. And I'm just like, oh my God, I watched you grow up. Look at you. You're beautiful. And you're yeah. just, you're, I love it. I'm not going to cry. You know, it's funny. Uh, again, this is remember I had a question and then I was like, well, you just mentioned the senior walk thing. The, we did that when I was at Dulles High School. And it's not a unique thing for, especially when the campuses are so close, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, we would do that. And, the, and the, the seniors turned into absolute mush when we would walk through the elementary schools and see a teacher that they just We're assumed had left. Yeah, I mean, yeah. why would that teacher still be there 10, 15 mm-hmm. years later, whatever it might be? It's not 15, but you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, they don't think... Oh, we keep this is our career. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we're not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah, I've had I've had a few kids. They're like, Miss Pigment, look, there's nobody at the junior high right now. Do you think maybe you could go with us next year? And I'm like, you're like, look, no. Yeah, that's a no. I'm yeah. I'm comfortable. I'm gonna stay right here where it's cushy, and I still have control over you guys. Yeah. Once we get to the junior high, I lose control, and it's just not gonna work. <laughs> so I'm gonna ask you a couple more questions. One is kind of a tech related question. Okay. Uh, you know, most of us in any theater profession, whether it's education or just as a designer technician or whatever, we cut corners, right? We, there that mm. we want so many things to be applied to a show. Some of them are, and then we start listing them, you know, like here's a dream thing. Here's something we have to have because the script says it, whatever. As an elementary school teacher, I'm assuming you have to cut corners and probably more. Oh, I have, yeah, there, I have to cut corners every day. A multi-sided piece of paper that has multiple corners on it. <laughs> That you're just sitting there with a very beautiful purple set of scissors, uh, mm. probably those cool jaggedy edges on it. But anyway, uh, mm. what what are some things that you just do not like? You insist I must have this element in my show, or is it just show to show? Well, it kind of depends on the show, but the one thing that we try i do most of my big shows with my choir teacher she's like my right hand and the one thing that we don't really we try not to skimp on we try to do as best we can is costuming like i'm we we like to build costumes and that sounds i mean it's really hard to build costumes for little bodies um especially if we're taking something from like, cause you go to all these workshops and it's like, um, redo this Goodwill cost, this Goodwill outfit into something period. And that's great and all, but when you have a kid who weighs like 60 pounds soaking wet, you can't do a whole lot with a double XL blazer. But so we, you know, we try to do as many of the costumes as we can. And we try to repurpose, um sometimes we have to build from scratch and I do and I kind of like building costumes that's my that's my favorite thing to do um set wise oh man oh man it's I did the butcher paper I did the butcher paper one time and I'm gonna tell you I'm gonna tell you so my fine arts director came and watched it and she told me afterwards don't ever put butcher paper on the stage again don't do it you got you gotta do something different you can't put butcher paper on the stage because it, it just looks like butcher paper. Like it just looks like paper. You got to do something different. And I'm like, okay, don't give me on my, I'll do that. next. And so we, I mean, we try as best we can to use what we've got. Of course I made the next year, I made these huge trees for Jungle Book that I had no idea how they were going to stand. I'm surprised they didn't fall on a student. 
and crush them to death because they were so heavy. They looked great, but I mean, sets not my thing. Costume, costumes are my thing. I like to make costumes. I like to think about things in a different way and how we can take this piece that's already created and uh, roundabout. It's costuming. I just I love costuming. It's the one thing I try not to skimp on. Do you know Mandy Connor? I do. I know her. Like well, do you know friends? of her? Absolutely. Not. Yeah. But I know of Mandy Connor. I went to her workshop okay. during our theater fest session. That's one of the two that I got to go to because we were. I was doing play fest and I was volunteering and I was doing registration. So I, I only got to go to a couple workshops. And she was one yeah. that I made sure to go in and I sat on the floor because I mean, who doesn't go to a Mandy Connor workshop? Cause that's just ridiculous. Yeah. And I'm sitting here looking at her stuff and I'm like, no way that this is trash. Right. There's no way that this is trash. That's you, You're pulling my leg. And so I get on Facebook and I'm like, Hey, gooey parents, I need wire hangers and I need plastic <laughs> bags and I need old prom dresses and I just put a list of things and now I have all these plastic bags and prom dresses and I don't know what to do with them. I'm like, okay, well, I got the first step. What do I do now? Yeah. So what I really need is for Mandy Connor to just come and live inside my brain right. and tell me how to make the things that she makes. Well, which I don't yeah, I mean, Mandy is uh, very much like a Tom Brady, Michael Jordan whatever oh, where, yeah. they, where they make it look so effortless and the, and then they come up to you and they're like all you gotta do is throw the ball like and you're like yeah but that's not but how do you throw yeah. the ball because <laughs> i've i've tried throwing the ball and the ball literally is literally flat yeah and it lands like two feet from where i threw it that's what happens yeah. when i try to when i try to be mandy Clark. she's bewitched um but yeah yeah totally so okay so um i want to get you out of here uh you might be a night person I am not. Um, I am very much a morning person, which is drives my wife crazy. But whatever. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, I, you know, again, not a lot of elementary school teachers listen to this. I have to say personally, and I and I and then I want you to share uh, uh, something like this. So my personal story started in elementary school as well. Uh, with my choir teachers, what is who I remember being my, also my theater teacher, uh, Russ Clark, who I ended up teaching with 25 years later. So kind of, kind of fun. Right. But I remember him being a huge part of my time at Kennedy elementary, go Cougars. And we did a show my fifth grade year that I did lights for, but the lights were eight light switches on the wall that I just sat there Mm -hmm. and just there was no rhyme or reason. I just did, 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 you know, yeah, flashed, you just get used to doing flashed them with the music, whatever they wanted. Right. And, uh, but that was, that's what got me kind of in the world of theater and performance. And I wouldn't say lighting design that would be, that wasn't necessarily the case, but it was, it was definitely theater and performance. So have you ever had a student come back to you years later and, and, if you've had multiple, try to think of one or two uh, that gave you credit for lighting, whether it's theater or not, just mm-hmm. inspiring them to do whatever it is they are now doing that makes them happy. Have you had a student come back and kind of say, "Do they call you Miss F or Miss Fangman?" Like what? Who they? What no, they call me. They call me Mrs. Fangman. I had I have a student that to this day he refuses to call me by my maiden name, my my married name. Yeah. 
He said, no, I knew you as Ms. Baez, so I'm going to keep calling you Ms. Baez. And I'm like, okay, whatever. You can call me Ms. Baez. I don't yeah. care. But no, they call me Mrs. Fangman. Yeah. Um, I mean, yes, I have had students, you know, kind of tell me, well, so I had this, that same student. I keep talking about this one particular student. And when, and when Tiffany Gardner-Moore hears this podcast, because I'm going to make her listen to it. When she hears it, she's going to say, oh, my God, is she going to keep talking about him? And I'm going <laughs> to say, yes, I am. So this particular student, and he's a junior now. And he told me, he said, you know, Mrs. Fangman, I went to one of their rehearsals, uh, one of the high school rehearsals. And he said, you know, Mrs. Fangman, I got to tell you, um, I think I want to be a theater teacher. And I was like, really? Like, I mean, I, you're good at theater. Don't get me wrong, but a teacher? You want to be a theater teacher? He goes, yeah, I think so. And I was like, okay, that's fine. I'm I'm glad you want to be a theater teacher. I'm, I'm glad that, you know that that's something that you want to do he goes but here's the thing i want to student teach with you with me why he goes because you love it and because you loved it i loved it and now i'm here and i said oh okay well give me a second i'm gonna go to the bathroom i'm gonna dab my face a little bit because that just choked me up and i can't take sweet comments like that because i'm a Grinch with my heart two sizes too small. And I can't let my heart grow because you're telling me nice things. So um, he's, he's one that, you know, and I've had kids that don't stay in the program. And like we do, like for some reason, they did a teacher appreciation thing a couple of years ago. And I guess they, they tasked the students with emailing a teacher that meant a lot to them. And I get a random email from a student just randomly. And it was a bad day. I remember. I, I don't remember what happened, but I remember it being a bad day. And I opened my email and I have this, this email from a student who I knew she didn't stay in theater. I knew that that was not going to be something that she was going to do, but she enjoyed my class and she enjoyed having me around. And so she emailed me and she sent me the nicest email about how I inspired her so much and how, you know, she she didn't stay in the program, but she thinks about how, how passionate I was and how she just wanted to be able to like reach out to people the way that I was. And I was like, okay, well, that's enough tears for the day. I just, like, it's, I mean, I don't get it very often, but when I do, it's super nice. Like I can count like on the one hand, the number of times that are students like, oh, Mrs. Fangman. I freaking love you. You're the best. They say they say that a lot, but um, not when it comes to like you inspired me to do this. There's only been a few, which is strange because they love me. Like I mean, I could I I could go out and rob a bank and they'd be like, okay, Miss Fingman, are you ready? You need some help? You need me to come in and help you because I can help you. No, I'm good. I can yeah. do this myself. Now, do do you think that you haven't been teaching long enough? That's why. Maybe, um, I think my first, my first group of kids that I had at Bowie, which would have been sixth graders. If I'm thinking right, I think they are early twenties, like 21, 22, somewhere around there. Yeah. Maybe they're older than that. No, No, 21, 22. You said you've been teaching 11 years? 11 years. Yeah. So, yeah. So they would have been, you know, 21. 
21, 22, yeah. somewhere around there. So, so I don't, I mean, I don't think I've been around that long, long enough to be able to have made that kind of an impact. Yeah. Um, hopefully, maybe by the time I'm old and decrepit and ready to throw in my hat, one of the kids from like 2020 is going to be like, Miss Bayman, I love your lip sync you, video you, you and know the what? lessons you made me do online. I lied to you. I don't want to get you out of out of here on that one because you just said 2020 and it and it triggered me a little bit. And so, okay. how how was? I mean, COVID was dreadful for you. I'm assuming, or like, what did you? I mean, what did you do to kind of make that work? And and again, I witnessed my own. My now six year old was not really. I mean, she wasn't online doing anything. Sure. But my my fifth grader. She was second and third grade when all this was happening, mm. and so I got to see that. And she's super smart. She takes after none of us in her in her family. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, how how was that for you teaching theater to elementary? To elementary. Yeah. Uh, well, it didn't go great. I'll be <laughs> honest. Um, I the way we were set up, like we didn't. We had to meet with our older kids, yeah. with our fourth, fifth, and sixth graders that were that chose us for our electives. We had to meet with them like once a week. And then the little kids, we didn't ever really meet with them. Like yeah. I would send them lessons, um, video lessons, because I would get on and then there wouldn't be anybody there. Yeah. And so I'm just, you know, sitting there chilling in my I say office loosely, because it's yeah. not really an office, yeah. it's junk room. But um, I would sit there and wait for them and nobody would show up because I mean, why would you want to? You're at home, you sleep in bed. But I mean, I came up with some interesting online activities for them to do to kind of help, but it wasn't anything like let's perform and so like teaching theater online. So those people that embraced it, kudos to them because I I I'm I have I have embraced online teaching since then, not so much like leading a class but like when I go out and I'm I have a sub I'll video my lesson mm -hmm. and I'll put it out there for them to watch and then give them the assignment to do because that way the sub has no questions on like when we all came back to school and we were still real strict on live performances we recorded everything and I I was pregnant that year with the with the little tyrant that runs around my house and I was recording their spring performances and I was trying to put them all together to put out there for everybody to see. And then I went down and had the baby and then I was trying to work on it at home. And I realized you couldn't hear any of them. Mm. Like I recorded everything in class. You couldn't hear a single kid in the room. And I'm like, okay, well, this is a waste of my time. So I'm just going to wash this. And the kids are like, Miss Bayman, are we ever going to see those videos? I'm like, no, you're not because you can't hear yourself. You're yeah. just going to be staring at movement on the screen and it's not going to be any good. And so I'm very grateful that we're back, like back, back where I can have a performance and I can have an audience and not have to focus everything on online teaching because I don't like seeing the kids in a tiny little screen. It's just not, it was not fun for me. Yeah. I'm sure it wasn't fun for anybody, but. So I'm going to get you out of here. Promise on this one last thing. Uh, <laughs> this is, this seems to be the question of the month for me. Uh, but what is, because I've been, I've been branching out and 
trying to get out of the high school teacher world as far as these mm-hmm. interviews are concerned, which hints mm-hmm. why you're here. Um, and so what is there... What, what is there something you would love? Again, I've said it five times now that mostly high school teachers listen to this, but what is something you would love for high school educators or even college educators to know about elementary education, especially theater education, that lets them know that uh, it's okay, that, you know, this exists and uh, that it is it is something that we need and something that we should uh be putting some more resources too, so that mm-hmm. it can it can grow and become just at just as big as junior and and high school theater education. Sure. Well, so for six years, I was elementary interest chair for the I guess TXETA is the is the the name now. And when I started, there were four elementary school teachers in the session that I was in. That was it. Four. And I didn't even know that elementary theater was a thing. Like I, I am by myself here in Midland. Like there's no other elementary school theater teachers in Midland or Odessa, as far as I know. Um, I could be wrong about that. But at at the last theater fest two weeks ago, a week ago, um, there were like thirty people in that room during my elementary energizer workshop. And they were loving every minute of it and they were sharing stories and they were sharing lessons. And my, the thing that I told them at the end of the session, I looked at them and I said, look, you guys are growing. Elementary school theater is growing. And the thing of it is, is that if the high school people and the junior high people want to keep their programs successful and ever growing, you've got to nurture those elementary school kids because that is the stepping stone. Like it, you can have theater without the elementary school. It, every, most, the majority of the districts in the state do that. They just wash their hands of fine arts in elementary school. It's like baby music or baby art when the teacher gets to be in the classroom, because a lot of the time we don't get to be in the classroom because we have to go and substitute because we have a shortage of teachers. So when you have that opportunity to advocate for those elementary schools and the elementary programs, even if it's not theater, even if it's just fine arts, like choir and and art and, you know, the basics, you need to make your voice heard because they grow that love when they are little bitty. It's a lot harder to reach those kids in junior high when they are so closed off from everything else because they're they're only into their friends and social media and video games they're that's what they're into and if you want to really grow your programs and you want that good solid foundation you have got to start at the elementaries when they are ready and willing and little baby sponges because even if they like, even, even if it's just a little bit of theater, like fourth, fifth and sixth, um, third grade, my third graders eat theater up. They love it. And if you can start it off at the very beginning, when they're just learning how to tie their shoes and how to be in class, 
then you can you can reach them so much easier and they are so much more willing to buy into everything that you're selling. Like, honestly, if you can get and even even if you go out into the high school programs and you do a children's show, like doing doing children's plays and touring them to your elementary schools, they could look like janky nonsense. And the elementary school kids are going to be like, Oh my God, that was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. That was amazing. My my two high school feeders or my two high schools here, they have both done shows where they use children. Like they bring in the elementary school kids and they hold out, they hold little auditions or they call me and they say, Hey, I need some kids. One of the high schools here is doing how to be a pirate. And she called me, she said, Hey, I need an elementary school kid to be the lead in this in this play. Can you shoot me some kids to audition? I said, absolutely. I can I can find some kids to audition. No problems. You reach out to all the other elementary school kids. There's lots of kids here. And so if you can reach out to those kids, like do a children's show. Do a show that needs kids. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory was the first time that I took my kids and worked with the high school kids. And they loved it they stuck with it and then they remembered those kids later on they're like oh I did that play with you when I was in sixth grade and they're like oh I remember you you were the little kid with the green wig they're all little kids with green wigs but if you can build it from there they are so so much more willing to help you to be with you to stick with you and I, and this is what I told my elementary school, my elementary school people. I said, you know what? It's not really good theater unless you start it when they're little, like little, little, and then you grow it and then it gets better and better and better and better. And then you have this plethora of talent and plethora of skill and plethora of love that it just makes things so much better. And I mean, I, I believe that wholeheartedly. You got to start when they're babies. If you start them when they're babies then they're going to love you forever. My new-